Hey, there it is. All right, look. I'm wireless, which may or may not be a good thing. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to have you guys uh, with us today. Great to... It's, uh, it's so awesome. I love worship. Can you tell? I love, to, I love my job. I love doing what I do. I love being able to, uh, to, just, to just stand and, and declare God's word through song and to just praise him for just everything that, uh, that he is and that he does for us. And I'm driving James crazy right now by moving around all over the stage. It's a gift. A dark, dark gift. Look, I'm going to do it again. Oh, it's paying attention. Well, today is a great day. If you are a visitor today, welcome. You picked an awesome day to come and hang out with us because we're going to see some baptisms today. And if you've never seen um, God do amazing things in your life, well, either you haven't been paying attention or you just are just waking up to the fact that it can happen and it does happen every day and all the time and all around us. And so you're going to see uh, God moving in a really special way today. And so I want to thank you for being with us if you're new or if you're visiting today. Um, baptisms are so much fun. Uh, we've been uh, studying with um, Pastor Eric Riddle the last few weeks on who we play for. What team do we play for? And we're going to watch some people today as they make a declaration of exactly which team they're playing for. And so I'd like to thank Eric for giving me a, a nice little ramp up to today's sermon. It's awesome. Uh, baptisms always remind me of a story that I heard about this. Uh, well, frankly, he was he was the town drunk. I mean, he was just no one had seen this guy sober in a long time. His name was Sam. And uh, one morning, Sam was stumbling back home after a really rough night. And uh, he saw a group of people gathered down by the river near his home. He didn't live in a van down by the river. Don't get me wrong. It was a whole nother guy. Uh, but he was on his way home, sees a group of people, and, and kind of wanders over to, to see what's going on over here. Can't really see. There's so many people gathered around. And so he makes his way to the front of the crowd. Well, it was a church body, and they were having baptisms that morning at the river. And lo and behold, the pastor is out in the water, and he looks up, and here comes Sam, right? This guy that no one had seen sober for years. Here he comes down to the front of, of the body. And he was thinking, praise the Lord. This is so awesome. Sam has got himself a part of Jesus and he wants to get baptized. So he wades out there and he grabs Sam by the elbow and, and guides him into the water. He's just overjoyed. His heart is swelling and he's just so happy for Sam, right? And so he takes Sam and he dunks him under the water and he pulls him back up and Sam's a little startled. And he's kind of blinking the water out of his eyes, and the water was cold. And he says, Sam, son, have you found Jesus? Sam goes, no. So the pastor is a little bit confused now, and he dunks him under again. This time he holds him a little bit longer. Maybe it'll work. And he brings him back up again. He says, son, have you found Jesus? Sam is really a little shocked at this point. He kind of, no. So one more time. Pastor's like, all right, we're going to give it all we've got today. And so he holds him down again. This time he holds him down until Sam, you can start to feel him kind of panic. You know, that panic that like when you're holding somebody under for a little bit too long and they starts to push against him. And then he brings him back up again. He says, son, have you found Jesus? And he's coughing and sputtering. He's blinking the water out of his eyes. No one has seen Sam this sober in a long time. And he's just kind of 
taken aback by the whole thing. And he looks at me and says, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> True story. No. But we kind of, sometimes we, we look at it that way. Like baptism is this thing that saves us. Like we get baptized and we come up and, and suddenly we, under the water we found Jesus like he was the Titanic. And that's really not what I get from Scripture as I read it. We're going to look at today, we're going to do a flyover of baptism. I'm not going to get into specifics, and I'm not going to, we're not going to do a, a lengthy study, but we're going to kind of do a 10,000-foot a flyover over baptism and see what it is, exactly what it is, when should we do it, where should we do it, how should we do it, who should be baptized. Uh, those are the things we're going to look at today. There are no slides. You'll actually have to use your Bibles today, so Sorry. They open like this, okay? Believer's baptism, what's the purpose of it? Because Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tell us that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's grace that saves us. Grace through faith. So if we count on baptism to save us, we're counting on a work. We're counting on a thing to save us, and, and we're not counting on the saving grace of Christ at that point. And, and guys, if works could save us, then Christ died in vain. There was no point to it. If we could be saved by something we could do, then Jesus' death was for nothing. See, if, if we look at it that way, salvation is no longer a gift. Salvation is wages. We've earned it. God owes us something. And we have managed to place ourselves under the very same law that Christ came to set us free from. You don't believe me. You guys are looking at me like, nah. It's true. Look at John 3.16. That's the easiest. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? More or less. You've seen it at a football game. If nothing else, say it with me. For God so that he gave his... (laughs) That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting. Exactly right. Uh, Look how many translations we had going on right there. Isn't that awesome? So, what's it say? Whoever believes in him, not whoever believes and is baptized. Not whoever believes and, and does good works and great things with their life. It's whoever. Plain and simple. It's it's very simple. But isn't it just like us? To want to feel like there's something that we can do, something that we can accomplish to take control, to guarantee our eternity. You know, we want to feel like somehow we control that. We can, we can, uh, we can control it and we can choose what we are going to do. You can choose it, but you don't control it. See, when we do that, we want to feel like God, again, he owes us something, like we're in control. And, and guys, do you really want a God that you can control? I mean, is he a god at that point? I think we've turned him into a genie if we do that. See, we bring nothing to the table. Christ has done it all. We don't have to do stuff. And aren't you glad that we don't have to do anything? See, Christ provided everything that we need for salvation. If we will just pick it up, just claim it as our own. If we will just realize our identity in Christ. If we will realize that even while we were stumbling through life on our own terms, not knowing, not caring who he was, what he had done, what had been accomplished on on our behalf, and even if no one had ever told you that Jesus died for you, 
even if you had no idea how much you mean to God, it still would have happened. God still would love you. Christ still would have died for you. He did it anyway. See, he took your place and my place. And not just ours, guys, but not just the people in this room, but everyone on earth. God so loved the world. Everyone on planet earth. Every Jew, every Gentile, every Muslim and Buddhist and Hindu and atheist and heathen and and terrorist and Nazi and you pick it. Christ died for all of those people, all of us, regardless of where we're at, what sin we were in, or whatever condition we were in. It happened for all of us, you see. And why? So that we could live in him, so we could live under his wing, and he could live through us. If only we would, if only we would do it, we could take him out of the four walls of this church, out of this room, out of this building in this parking lot, and into the community, into the world that we live in, to our families and our neighbors and our co-workers, to the weird guy in the next cubicle, the one that really gets on your nerves, that guy. You know, but instead, we, we try to get through our day. We do our best to make it through our day without having to talk to anyone. Let me just stay in my nice little Christian bubble, and I'm listening to my Christian radio, and, and I'm, I'm where I'm at, and please don't ask me any hard questions because I just want to get through my day so I can get back to my house and my family that is safe, and they're saved, and they're not going to confront me. They're not going to ask me anything tough. See, he died so that we could live, so we could get out there, And be the hands and feet of Christ. Not just to live, but live as God would live. To live what's called a Zoe life. Zoe is a Greek word. It means life. But it's more than just life. It's a much more colorful. It's it's life as God would live it. Any of you who know my youngest daughter, Zoe, know that she lives up to that name really well. We should have named her something a lot more calm. (laughs) We, didn't, we thought we were having a boy until she was born. Okay, the doctor comes out. Oh, you have a girl. I'm like, are you sure? So we had, a, we had a boy name picked out. We didn't have a girl name picked out. We made it all the way to Z in the book. And so it was it. And man, it was perfect. It's perfect for her. Because it's a, a word that means life as God would live it. It means life in the spirit. Life that has been quickened by the Almighty. Life that's infused into the believer that, that makes that person a new creation. Life that takes the person from, from, from death to life. From being dark to being light. Life that reflects Jesus to the world around them. That's... That's quite a statement. And, and without the power of God, it would seem impossible. But that's what's happening today. See, we're making a public, obvious, overt statement to the world, to anyone watching or listening today. A statement of what Christ has done for us and in us. What he's done for the world, whether they believe it or not still was done. You see, you don't have to believe something for it to be true. Does that make sense? You don't have to believe something for it to be true. The truth is the truth, regardless of whether you believe it. You see, the sky is blue, whether you think it is or not. Now, there are people who would argue, well, maybe what I perceive as blue, you perceive as yellow. And so it's all about perception, 
contraception is reality. It's very matrix. Okay, so if I deposit, if I deposit $10 million into your bank account, I won't. Don't worry. But if I were to do that, okay, it's happened. The, the minute I click send and transfer the funds into your account, it's there. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, the funds are there. Guys, I was an English major. This is simple math even for me. Okay? You don't control what God puts into your account. It's already there. The only thing you control is what you do with the funds. Whether or not you withdraw the funds and make use of them. They're already there. See? But get this. Once you realize that you have all of this wealth in your account, once you figure that out, don't you think you might do a few things differently? Don't you think that you might buy some new clothes? Don't you think that you might go ahead and and forget about the 20 that so-and-so owes you? Don't you think that you might walk around with a little greater sense of security, maybe with your head held a little higher? Maybe stand a little taller because you knew that you had this wealth and you could do whatever you wanted with it, but you knew it was there and it was never going away. You see, that's, that's a believer in Christ, guys. We have our new clothes. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says, For all you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And, and debts, that 20 that somebody owes you, it really doesn't amount to much when you compare it to all of the riches that I have available to me now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's a new life in Christ. That's realizing I have got something so great that whatever you owe me doesn't even compare. And so I forgive you of your debt. I forgive whatever it is that you owe me, whatever it is that I think you owe me. I release you from that because I have got so much more. And you can have it too. See, we have this amazing wealth that's deposited in our account. And we are so happy about it. We are so stoked, so excited about it. We want to show it to people. We want to share it with people. We we want to give it away because the more we give it away, the more God pours in. See, we are poured into by Christ so that we can pour ourselves out into the lives of other people. That's our purpose. That's the Great Commission, guys. That's why why people get into full-time ministry. By the way, you're all in full-time ministry. You knew that, right? I mean, whether you get paid for it or not, you're in full-time ministry. You are the hands and feet of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You are the reflection of Christ to your world. But guys, it's so awesome. I mean, how would it be to be the person that gets to tell people, hey, guess what? You're a gazillionaire. From here on out, your worries are over. You have more than you can possibly imagine, more than you can possibly spend in your life. And it's just going to keep growing. It's like being on the Publishers Clearinghouse Prize Patrol. Those guys have got one of the best jobs in the world. Go up and knock on somebody's door and say, Hey, I'm going to give you all this money. How's that make your day? And we have something so much greater than money. The FTD guys that deliver flowers to people. Great job. You know? You get to watch as people receive something that they didn't expect. Something that they didn't deserve, necessarily. Something they didn't see coming. And and you watch their faces just light up. You watch their their countenance, their spirit go from from downcast to to joyful. You, You watch people go from hopelessness to abundance. 
You, you watch as this, this new life begins to, to explode out of them and to take shape. And that's awesome. And that's what water baptism is a picture of. It's a picture. It's a type of something that already took place in the heart of the believer the moment they were saved. You see, there's a separation that begins to occur when you, when you accept Christ. There's a division in that moment when the new believer, new Christian, they realize who they are. They realize they're a new creation and that they're God's creation. And that he sees them now. He sees them as holy and he sees them as righteous and blameless. They begin to have a whole new perception of themselves and of other people too. And of, and of the world that they live in, you see, through the blood of Christ, they begin to set themselves apart from the world and from the things of the world. They begin to set their heart on the things of God. See, 1 Peter 3.21, he's, he's speaking there, and I'm not going to read the verse, but he's talking about Noah and the flood that, that occurred. And, and you see that Noah and his, his family are separated from the world which is perishing. They're separated by water. See, and that's, that's sort of the picture that we're getting from, from water baptism. See, it's, it's an ordinance. An ordinance is something that has been ordained. All right? It's a $5 word. It just means it's been recognized as this is what we do. And it, and it represents our identification with Christ in his, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection. We are saying, Jesus, your death is my death. And your life is my life. See, you... And your sins. Here's, what, here's the picture, okay? You and your sins are, are standing upright in the water. You're crucified. And, and then you're buried. You're buried. You're immersed into the water, under the water. That's a burial. And then you're resurrected into this new life. New life. Abundant life. Spirit-filled life as God would live it. That Zoe life. We see that in... Uh, like, and that's the spiritual side of it. In Romans 6, uh, verses 3 through 5, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Again, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit, we were baptized by the spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. See, it's an out, baptism that we're seeing today. It's an outward testimony of an inward faith. It's, it's a picture. It's a proclamation. Okay, water baptism, it pictures and proclaims four different things. Okay, first thing is it it pictures and proclaims the believer's death, burial and resurrection with Christ. We see it in Colossians chapter two, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God. Who raised him from the dead? That's the first thing, the believer's death, burial and resurrection. Second, it pictures and proclaims the death of our old life. Our old life, our old ways, and our resurrection and walking in a new life, in a new way. 
Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's the second thing. It, it pictures and proclaims our faith that we put in the Trinity of the Godhead. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we believe that, that, that this is the baptism that we want to take, place in, take part in. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We declare our faith in the Trinity. Fourth thing, pictures and proclaims. We put on Christ. And again, that's Galatians 3, 26, 27. So in Christ Jesus, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we, it's how we show Christ to the world. We, we put on Christ. And, and when God looks at us now, he sees Christ. So water baptism is a picture of what already happened, what already transpired when we placed our faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to save us from our sins. It doesn't atone for sin. There's only one thing that cleanses us from our sin. And you guys know what it is, right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Yeah, right. Now where is it in your Bible? John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Nothing else. There's, no, there's nothing else in that verse. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he, talking about God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's not an atonement. The blood of Christ has already covered our sin, has washed us clean. Okay, so who should be baptized? That's our second point today is who. Who are we going to baptize? The Bible makes it pretty clear that scripturally a baptism is for the believer in Christ. Okay, Acts 2.41 says those who accepted his message were baptized. Okay, we, they received and accepted the word and then they were baptized. Acts 8 uh, 12, 36, and 37, we see that people believed, then they were baptized. Acts 10, 43, 44, 47, they believed, they received the Holy Spirit, and then they were baptized. Okay, when the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? He was told, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved in Acts chapter 16. See, Paul didn't say to be Baptized to believe and be baptized, he said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. His baptism came after he believed. And so that's the standard that, that I see there. So again, who? Well, those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. It's not salvation, it's obedience. It's a desire to follow the example that has been set before by other people that have gone before us we're following the example. We're identifying ourselves as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, as his body united to him and to one another in this life and the next. Okay? So that's the who, believers in Christ. Now, right now, I'm going to ask for our baptizees, Phoenix and Lily and uh, Aaron and Carl, if you guys want to come up as well. I'm going to uh, turn, the, uh, turn the platform over to 
you all for a moment. Here he comes. Yay! Yeah. And I'm going to turn it over. Phoenix and Lily are going to uh, share a little bit of their story. They're going to make this public declaration to all of us here that they are, in fact, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, and declare their wish to identify with him today in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then I'm going to let you guys go and get ready and whatever, you know, put your swim cap on or whatever it is you guys need to do. Floaties, get your water wings on, right? Little duck life preserver. It's going to be fun because I let all but about six inches of water out in the thing. It's going to be great. They're going to be flopping around. Immersion, immersion, I can't. Okay, so we'll, we'll let them uh, take, take over for a bit here. And uh, you're going to go first, Phoenix? I would love if you went first, Phoenix. All right, I'll get out of your way. Um, I kind of began my walk with God two years ago after I went to lift camp. Um, it was awesome. Um, definitely was a huge life changer. Uh, the past two years, um, I've honestly learned so much, and God has shown me so many things. Um, and kind of as I'm going off to college, I think um, I'm honestly ready to be baptized, and I think it's just a huge symbol of grace, um, and it's just a very symbolic thing, and I know I'm ready to do it, so pumped. Hey, well, I'm Lily. Um, <laughs> hey. Um, I rededicated at Lyft this past two weeks ago. Yes, two weeks ago. Um, I never really thought I was ready to be baptized until then. It never had a substance to me. I never thought it was needed. I was like, oh, well, the Bible says you just have to be to believe. But I think growing up in a Christian home, like, I always knew about it, but I never had something life-changing happen to me, so it didn't really, I didn't really do much with it. And going to Lyft, it really opened my eyes that God is there and he needs me to act like the Christian I am. And so now I'm going to be baptized. <laughs> and do you want to do your uh, confessions of faith uh, up here right now? or? You can do it in the tub? You want to do it in the tub? Okay, we'll do it in the tub. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and go get changed. We'll uh, finish up here. Thank you so much. So awesome. All right, so that's the who. There go a couple of the who's now. So that leaves us with when and where. How about right here, right now, right? So when are we to be baptized? When should the believer be baptized? The Bible shows us that water baptism followed shortly after the spiritual baptism, the the new birth, shortly after the belief. See, we look at the example of Paul in Acts chapter 9. As soon as the the something-like scales fell off of Paul's eyes, his sight was restored, his vision was restored, he was baptized immediately. He got up and was baptized, the Bible tells us. We look at Cornelius and his friends and family that had gathered and heard the gospel from Peter. Uh, We see that they were baptized the same day in Acts chapter 10. We see the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. So looking at the question of when are we baptized... You know, if we use scripture to answer, I would say as soon as you can. 
as soon as you can after you've believed. You know, I, I think it's more a question of your heart than your timing. Because, again, it's, it's not the baptism that's going to save you. You were saved the minute you believed, the minute you accepted and, and realized your identity in Christ and understood that. You're saved. You're in. You're included. And then you, you begin to want to follow in the steps of Christ and, and those other fathers that have come before us. So you were placed into the body of Christ the moment you were saved. Galatians three twenty six and 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Uh, now And now you want to follow that miracle of spiritual baptism or, or that, that, that belief now with the physical picture, the physical immersion into water. Looking at Acts 8.38, 10.47, um, And then we look at where. Where should we be baptized? Well, I would say with other people in the presence of other believers that are going to encourage you, people that are going to, to witness and, and, feel and, and have joy for you and encourage you into this next step in your faith. You know, we see, um, uh, we see baptisms happen in private. And I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm not saying that it's not just as special and amazing. But I'm a big fan of public, as public as possible. Because it's a declaration. It's a proclamation. And we want people to know about it. We want to be standing up and waving our hands and, and showing people that, hey, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe. This is what I follow. This is the person that I wish to identify with. And so, yeah, somewhere with other people, other believers, to, to, to witness that. Um, and then there's the how. How are we to be baptized? Guys, I, I, there's, there's argument here between different churches and whatnot, but I, when I look at the scripture, the only thing I can see is immersion, complete immersion. I don't, the sprinkly thing, that just, I don't see it. We look at Matthew 3, verses 13 to 16, Mark 1, 9 and 10. We see that John the Baptist needed much water for baptism. You don't need a lot of water to go, there you go, you know? Acts 8, 38, 39, we see baptism by immersion. Uh, And then again, we go back to Romans 6. Uh, We see that baptism fulfills three pictures, three types, death, burial, and resurrection. It's also referred to as being planted and being raised. So it's, it's easy to see, guys, where the only way that baptism works to fulfill all three of those pictures is, is by immersion in water, okay? Uh, when, when it says much water in John, much water. There's not much water when you're sprinkling, you know? In Acts 8, it talks about them being down both into the water, into the water. To me, that just, it's conclusive. I mean, it just shows that there's almost no doubt left that water baptism is by immersion. You don't go to, you don't go to, a cemetery, I don't imagine many of you go and hang out in cemeteries anyway, but if you go, you will notice that there are not caskets sitting on top of the ground with dirt sprinkled on them. That would be weird. We don't do that. We bury them. And that's the picture. It's burial. Okay? So, why? That leaves, only thing left is why are we baptized? Why are we doing this? Why are we here? What's the, what's the thing? If you haven't got it by now, I'm going to run it by you one more time. 
It is how we identify ourselves with Christ. Okay? Colossians 2.12. It's an identification. This is why we should submit to water baptism. Romans 6. It is literally a picture of our death, burial, and resurrection in newness with Christ. It's, 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 our, it's an act of obedience after our salvation. It's not an act that gains salvation. We're, we have our salvation, and then we want to follow in the steps of, of Jesus and, and of the other church fathers that have gone before us. Okay? And, and here's a big one. Because it pleases God. I mean, how many of us want to please God? I'm in, you know? <laughs> James, yeah, right here. You did. Just there. You just pleased him. Good job. But seriously, look at look in uh, Matthew three seventeen when when Jesus was baptized. God the Father he comes up out of the water. God the Father says, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." When we follow that example, when we follow the examples set before us by Christ, guys, most definitely we are pleasing the Father. It's a testimony to the world. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. That's Matthew 10, 32. See, baptism is a public testimony of our faith in Christ. It's how we identify ourselves with him. And so to close today, I want you guys to get this. We understand, we believe that baptism is not a sacrament. It's, 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 a, it's not a ritual that, that imparts grace to the believer. It's an ordinance. It's something that has been ordained, something that has been enacted as proper and pleasing to the Lord and the thing to do. We're not saved by baptism. We're saved by our faith in Christ and his blood. 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. It's an outward symbol of what has already happened in the hearts of these young ladies and of all of us who have trusted Christ for our salvation. And so today, we get to see this all happen. We get to witness this all in action. If you're visiting today, again, great day to come. Great day to come. Welcome. Because you get to watch, get to see someone, a couple of someones, who have placed their faith in Jesus. You get to watch as they step forward, another step into their faith. They proclaim to all of us here that, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. And yes, I do stand for him and with him. And yes, I will proclaim him and display him to this world. We get to watch and witness as these two young ladies declare that they are new creations. And right before our eyes, guys, I want you to watch and see the, the glory of God, just as it, as it just rests on them and, and, and in them, and just watch. Just pay attention to the faces as they're coming out of the water. I, I want you guys to, to watch. And as you look on today, I want you to imagine. Imagine, let your mind take you to a place where you can hear the voice of God. And I want you to see God as he looks down and he sees Phoenix and Lily rising up out of the water. The very picture of Jesus Christ, his son's death, burial, resurrection into a new life. And I want you to hear his voice in your mind. As he, as he says to all of us who are witnessing here today, these are my daughters in whom I am well pleased.
Guys, go ahead. Lily, would you? <laughs> Confess your faith after me. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. Son of the Living God. My Lord and Savior. My Lord and Savior. With great honor as your Father and an elder of this church that I baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As a sin, alive in Christ.